You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 68. We got a great show here on Thursday, August 11th. I'm Van Burnett. He's Steve Giswelli. Thank you guys for joining us today. Steve, I'm pumped, man. We're going to be talking about uh, kind of more of the home stretch roster this, not that, for everybody who's looking for that extra push. We were talking about clever topics. You know, do we want to do kind of stat cast underperformers and then we kind of stopped and said that's postseason stuff right now we're all in win now mode so we got actionable stuff for both pitchers and hitters throughout the show but Steve looking forward to it as always how's it going man how's the uh, home league push for you industry leagues and uh, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the nature of the topic here roster this not that for the final two months Good man, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pushing for the playoffs, getting geared up for playoffs in in one league. Uh, that was a keeper league, so did a lot of like buying at the deadline, selling of future draft picks, which is always fun. Um, one thing about keeper leagues like that, that the trade deadline is always a blast. Um, you, you know, uh, I prefer redraft, but that's always a, a a great thing when you can wheel and deal like that, and guys are buying and selling. It's it's a it's a great time. Um, for sure. Uh, I, my, my, my one, the one industry league I'm still in is, that I like have like a shot at is, uh, the on the wire league. It's like, uh, me, I think, uh, um, Greg Jewett from, uh, closer recon. He sends out the, uh, that email, uh, shout out to Greg. He does a great job. Uh, su- subscribe to that. It's on, I think, uh. Uh, Patreon, and you get like a daily email, which is everything closers. Um, it's like closers and coffee, I think, is a Patreon. So, uh, a battle with him and nice. one other guy in uh, one of Adam's league. But so that's the one league that I have a shot to win at as far as like industry wide. But uh, yeah, TGFBI was a disaster for me. Same with like our uh, my Razball team. Uh, I got to really rethink my strategies in those. But you know, uh, regardless, it's uh, it, it's still a fun stretch. I'm my main, you know, our baby, my home league. I'm. I'm fighting for my life in the playoffs so 
Um, that's always a ton of fun. And I think, you know, uh, because of that, like, that's what led to this show topic, right? Like, we were talking off air. In the beginning of the year, you're kind of churning the burden, looking for that pop-up guy, right? You're not, like, dropping anyone. Like, you still want to have a long leash. But now it's it's sort of the same thing, but for a different goal, right? Like, anyone is droppable, uh, basically, from August on, um, you know, no matter where they were, at least in, in, you know, in redraft that we're talking about. And you got to just fight for whatever category you need, whatever whatever, you know, you need to win a weekly matchup if it's a head-to-head. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's really the same end goal. And uh, ideally, we're going to identify some of these guys that you should be adding um, for some guys who have been disappointing over the last, uh, you know, for the, for the season that you can kind of move on from with really no remorse at this point just because we're so late in the year. Yeah, we, we definitely prioritize looking at schedule and upcoming matchups for pitchers primarily. But, yeah, it's that time of year, Steve, where, like, I don't know, the psychology the psychology changes, like you're saying, where you can wait and wait for a guy to come around and now it's truly like go time to where some of the some of the players that even if it comes around and I think it's more so for pitching in my brain because it's you're getting one per week. So it's like if if it's a tough matchup or if it feels like you're getting a great start once every five or six outings. I guess there's different schools of thought because on one hand, there's like the boom bust guys. So if you take a, a volatile player, and we'll talk about some, but it, do you approach it as this guy could go off and help me win a league? Or do you try to kind of stabilize and get some consistency so that you're not going to get ratios blasted on the pitching side, or you're not going to have a hitter that, you know, goes one for 25, like a Ryan Mountcastle, but then they could turn around and get red hot. Like, do you have a preference on kind of the boom bust or the steady eddies as you enter like a head to head playoffs, for instance? I mean, I think I would lean at, at this time of year towards the boom bust, right? Like if you sort of are making those moves, like, you're probably doing it for a reason and you know you're struggling in one area or the other so you probably need to be a little bit more you know uh or a little less risk averse right um you need to hope that you catch uh you know the randall gurchuk homestand five for five that happened last night right when they have six game at cores where you know you might need to take that on a week early or uh, a weekend early and, and sit through a, a series where he's on the road and goes over 15, right? Like mm-hmm. those are the sort of moves that you need to make to, uh, to basically get the most that, that, that you can get from these guys. And sure, there's going to be swings and misses. There's going to be weeks where that's not going to work. That's the nature of these boom and bust guys. But uh, that's the time of year it is, man. Like, you know, you need to take those shots and you need to – you know, risk it for the biscuit, uh, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now is more of a time to take those shots. Whereas, you know, in the beginning of the year, it's stay the course, you know, steady Eddie, like things are going to play out. But now that we're in the final third of the season, like it's go time and anything can happen. You need to take those shots. Uh, especially if you like, you know, if your team isn't as good, you need to hope for an upset in a head to head matchup or something like that. Like those are the chances you got to take. Yeah, my my 
home league team, and I, I know, Steve, we're in a handful of other leagues, but I'm in a precarious position because I've been kind of, you know, 14-team league, head-to-head categories, kind of has uh, a little bit of a points league type of lean with, like, plate discipline and everything, but I've been secure in, like, that third, fourth place. I should make the playoffs, but there's several of those questions that are coming up of, like, you know, do you take the stabilizer or is it if you're not first, you're last? And I guess that's, you know, it's, it is all about winning the trophy. So um, I just want to keep that lens. I was curious what your thoughts were on it. Of course, there's some roster construction considerations that go in. So we'll talk about that as we, we go through it. But let's start with um, some of the, the pitchers, Steve, and some, I guess, potential drops I'll speak from experience, and this one might come with a, a little bit of regret, especially from j- what we were just talking about, but Patrick Sandoval was one that I let go, of course, since he, he has two pretty solid outings. But before that, three of the four were very rough, uh, not getting you know enough strikeouts frequently enough to offset the really bloated whip. It's a 147 whip on the season. The Angels, it just comes with that no two start pitcher thing, and eventually it was just like, okay, how many, how many guys out there am I potentially missing on? I think I ended up adding like a, a Mitch Keller, and we'll talk about him later in the rundown. But it's like when you see quality start after quality start next to a guy that's kind of collapsing, and then you know, kind of along the topic we were just having, Sandoval does turn it around with a couple good starts, so. What's your outlook, I guess, just in general on Sandoval and players of this type? Like, would you say this falls into the category of, you know, don't let go. Like, he he could go off and be kind of a help you win a week if he has 10 strikeouts. Or do you think that was a reasonable reasonable move on my part to to move on from Sandoval? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely reasonable. Uh, I, I would basically probably try to hold on to Sandoval for as long as I could, like, right. Unless I really, really needed to drop him, then, then I, then I would, but you know, there are some stuff like overall, that's kind of been a bit disappointing. Uh, the walk rate's gone up for him this year. And I think a lot of the issues, um, with that, uh, is kind of masked by the fact that he has a 0.38 Homer per nine. That is just insanely, insanely lucky. Like there's no way that that's going to hold um, last year, uh, next year, or, or you know going forward. That's just an extreme outlier. Like no one has the skill yeah, the, to, to limit home runs like and that. The change up, the change up isn't what it what it has been in the past, mm-hmm. which has been like one of the better pitches. Yes. Yeah. So it's like the swinging strike rate's down almost three uh, percent. So um, there is some concerning stuff under the hood, despite the fact that the surface stats look good and like you know that old school analysis, right? Like it's, it would be the opposite of what you're looking for, right? Like a 147 whip does not tie out with a three, four, one ERA. So, um, you know, a lot of the indicators, uh, X ERA, uh, X FIP and Sierra all, um, all, all don't buy it. His FIP's still really good because, you know, it doesn't take into the fact that his home run rate's been extremely lucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see it. Like the biggest thing is, you know, he doesn't get any, any two start outings that that's tough. And if he has a run of tough starts coming up, then like, there's no reason because it's not like, okay, he has two starts, but at least I'll get some volume with K's or a chance at a a win or something like that. Uh, you don't really get that, 
um, sort of, you know, plus of, of having any of those tough matchups uh, with with Sandoval. So I, I could I could totally see it, and, and you know, some of these guys that we're going to talk about uh, in a little bit here uh, are definitely reasonable ads for him. Yeah, and Sandoval has uh, the Twins on Friday. Yeah, so Twins, and then he should line up at Detroit, which is a, a yeah, that's one. that's pretty nice. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess Sandoval from that standpoint is, is uh, those are those are matchups to target. So yeah, that's that's one that I think given that, and especially of course hindsight twenty twenty. Um, he's coming off a couple good outings. Next one I want to talk about, Steve, is much more topical because it's kind of a lot of managers scratching their head at Aaron Ashby. And he's a perfect example of just this, you know, basically the cherry bomb that Nick talks about where some outings you catch lightning in a bottle and he looks terrific, but it feels like that's once every, like, six outings. And in the meantime, he has his blow-ups and... He rarely goes deep into games. I know there's so much potential we love here. We can already imagine next year in the draft boards, you know, it's he's going to be the answer to a lot of questions of like, who's this year's, you know, X, Y, Z. But, no. that you know, similar to Sandoval, the whip is very inflated. It's just a, a question for Ashby. And we've talked about his his upcoming matchups. Like, what do you what do you think of Ashby as a potential drop candidate? Or is this the perfect prototype of, you know, hold on, weather the storm, he's still young, and when when it's good, it's great. I mean, it, it, it's the it's the perfect like example. Like you know, if you're locked into the playoffs or like you know, have an extreme lead in in certain categories and need K's or something for for um, for roto, roto leagues, league. right? Like. Mm-hmm. I would add him and sort of bite the bullet with the cards, Cardinals, Dodgers, Dodgers starts, and then you know all systems go with the Padres and Diamondbacks to for for his upcoming matchup. So or the Pirates, the Pirates, or Pirates, and Pirates, um, Pirates and Diamondbacks. Yep, uh, great call there. But yeah, this is sort of the the quintessential boomer bust. But I think it goes to show you, like you know, it's all your situation dependent right like there's still a lot a lot to like with ashby i think even more so than um sandoval they're they're similar in the fact that the walk rates aren't great but you know uh ashby has you know a pretty unlucky at 69.5 percent left on base percentage um his swing strike rate is a tick higher um and does have a higher csw um than Sandoval, so I, I definitely would prefer Ashby long term, and probably even this year, um, despite the the tough matchups. But you know, if, if you need to like win your next two matchups to make the playoffs, like no, you can't be rostering Ashby because you're not going to start him against the Cardinals, Dodgers, and and Dodgers, right? Like that just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. So totally fine to move on if if you're in a, in a tough spot there. Yeah, the his success is just directly tied to the control. The last outing against the Reds uh, gave up four earned runs in just four and two-thirds innings, five walks in that one. He had three walks the outing before that. Go one before that, just one walk, nine strikeouts, seven innings. So, like, that's, that's what you're getting with Ashby. But when it does click, that's where you can have kind of those ace-like starts. So... Uh, yeah, elite slider. We've talked about it plenty with Ashby. So 
I think that's a good one, though, Steve, and, and um, one that totally makes sense where it all comes down to timing and circumstance of, like, if you can absorb, you know, the next basically two and a half weeks, then you've got the Pirates and Diamondbacks, which should be kind of crunch time, especially if you can time it out with with playoffs, because that, that will basically be hitting around end of August, beginning of September. So um, anything else to add there? No, it's just funny. Uh, I think Sandoval and Ashby were probably two of our favorite preseason sleepers, and I think they were <laughs> kind of overall a success, and I think they still might be two of my later round targets. So I'm kind of hoping maybe uh, there isn't like a, a an August and September swoon for them selfishly for uh, – to keep that sort of draft price a little bit suppressed next year. Yeah, totally. Um, I know, man. I'm I'm so pumped. I know it's been such a grind to get here. I can't wait, Steve, to do some oh, yeah. postseason recap ones because uh-huh. it's like all the prep, all of the, the takes. I know I'm going to be taking lumps on the chalkboard and everything, but it's <laughs> – it's a lot of fun right now. We just got to kind of keep the head down, put the work in. It's a it's a motivational call for all listeners that, you know, it's not just you. It's, it's, it's August is truly the, the home stretch or just like finish the race and, and put the extra work in. It can make all the difference. Um, yeah. And then so I think we got some names here, Steve, yep. because other pitchers beyond performance. You got Ian Anderson being sent down. Chris Sale, just Murphy's Law with the bicycle accident, uh, the the wrist surgery. I mean, that guy, you know, he, he can't stay healthy, yep. and it's it's a it's a bummer. Obviously, super talented, and he gets so angry it seems at his own injuries that he's, you know, hopefully Chris Sale can get right, and and then John Gray as well, oblique strain out four to six weeks. There are opportunities, or let's put it as uh, team needs for so many managers out there to try to load up with pitchers so let's talk talk through some uh kind of roster this not that and let's start with mitch keller so keller is pitching tonight at the diamondbacks as we record this on on wednesday um and he's been solid lately i know we talked about him a couple starts or a couple starts a couple episodes ago and we said keep a close eye on what he does against the phillies and it went, went well and he's had another good start after that so at this point Keller has five quality starts in a row. The past 31 innings, he has a 174 ERA, a 110 whip. So much nicer on the the whip than Sandoval and Ashby. And upcoming games, he's got the Red Sox and then the Reds, uh, both in Pittsburgh and then at Philly, which that's something of a buzzsaw these days. But what are your thoughts on Keller uh, under the hood, Steve? I know he's long been kind of a fantasy darling but he's kind of like tricked us and brought us back in so do you think there's something here where we can trust mitch keller although probably not expect wins with the pirates yeah um another guy that we uh and and we like the collective fantasy baseball industry were were hyped and excited about uh it was just in february march right where that video of mitch keller hitting like 101 on the on their radar gun at a you know a driveline a jace uh um pitching lab right uh and and everyone was super excited and it really hasn't lived up to what we what we hoped at least with that gained velo um as far as like strikeouts but at least in the results recently it's definitely sort of coming into fruition i think 
the biggest thing is the fact that he just really still hasn't walked many guys over that those starts. You know, there, there were some starts early in the year where we were striking some guys out, but uh, that was what was concerning, I think, holding him back. And there, there really hasn't been any games here where he's sort of lost the control, right? Like he had, a, you know, uh, just looking at the game log, like he hasn't really walked more than two batters essentially since you know the end of june so uh, since then it's he had 11 walks in june as as a whole and then he's had seven walks since so that's really really encouraging um and i think that with this sort of new mitch keller like maybe it's not going to come with like the strikeout upside that we all hope for and mm-hmm. that we all got excited about with um that gain velocity but you know this is this is a serviceable pitcher and you know i I know there's a lot of stink on his name but you know he throws four pitches uh five pitches over nine percent of the time and you know is elevating that fastball and is is in a decent park and has some some good matchups in the nl central you know uh sign me up as a a back of the end uh a back of the rotation sort of fantasy guy for uh for this season and and even beyond uh, I, I i'm encouraged by this run for, for keller for sure yeah he's throwing breaking stuff a lot more like month over month and has really dropped the use of the fastball so that might be a play but yeah it really is bizarre like if if you would have kind of blindfolded the the name and said like you know, who is this kind of control artist that's not going to help you in strikeouts? I don't think anyone would have guessed Keller. But yeah, with um, with these upcoming matchups, I think, you know, the the Red Sox with, with Story out and just kind of some struggles, the Reds are, you know, it's not a hard target, but it's a, it's a solid matchup. I think it could be kind of a, you know, stream for these two. And then if it looks really good, maybe you can... You kind of grit your teeth and bear the Phillies matchup. Um, and if it looks rough, you move on. But I think it's, you know, I, I guess we would have to categorize, Steve, from our initial discussion, this is kind of a, a vanilla one. Or, or really, you're, you're kind of choosing floor here. Um, so if you have a handful of other guys who are kind of feast or famine and prone to blowups, then Keller might be a good move. But he's probably not going to be, you know, flying in with a cape to like rescue your race your uh k's in like a categories league or anything like that so i I like it too obviously i mean he's he's who i added and it's i don't have a problem at the back of the rotation getting a guy who's just not going to screw up your whole run but yeah it's just not going to come with as much of the strikeout upside if you need to protect ratios in in a roto league like this is definitely a guy uh, to grab, I mean, he's just kind of been this consistent, boring, safe guy since since uh, he's really figured out that that walk rate uh, in the end of June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were, um, you know, he also survived Coors as well in that stretch. So uh, he had, he had a matchup against the Phillies. So there's been some soft matchups in there, but with like the Marlins, but some ones that are a little trickier too. So let's talk about a guy who can help with the strikeouts, it seems. And it's kind of a WAF specialist here, Steve, because we've talked about Justin Steele probably four or five times this season. And 
He's flirted with relevance, and then he just goes on these strikeout binges, and it's it's hard to believe, but today, as we record on Wednesday, six innings, nine strikeouts, two earned runs against the Nationals. Last week, he had four and two-thirds innings and 10 strikeouts on a shutout against the Marlins. I mean, Justin Steele is putting together some eye-popping numbers. Next matchup, he gets the Nationals again. Then the Brewers, who have been kind of struggling— Cardinals, not as ideal, but what do you think with Justin Steele here, Steve? I know he's on the wire in my league, so I'm pretty interested in the discussion here. I like the slider. I'm just, you know, it's kind of the Pirates thing with Keller that he's probably not going to get too many wins with the Cubs, but I'm very intrigued. It's hard not to be with the strikeout upside here. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, The slider is a, a really good pitch by run value and just, you know, the overall metrics too it's got uh you know a 165 xba a 44 percent strike k rate like with a 25 percent put away percentage that is a really good pitch and like with the slider that good the k's are going to come um sure the fastball's not really that good um and it's essentially two pitches so it's probably riskier than it seems but like it, it, he's definitely going to help you with k's right like you know, and with those good matchups, I think uh, there might be um, you know uh, a little bit more upside than you know your prototypical risky two pitch pitcher. And, and for a guy that has a bad fastball, he's he's decent at limiting hard contact. Like, in in I know these aren't as good for pitchers and, and predictive, but you know it's descriptive. And he's eighty fifth percentile on average exit velocity route allowed um 80 82nd percentile on hard hit percentage 76th in x lug 93rd in barrels so like there is contact suppression or you know hard contact suppression despite you know what by results and, and run value is a is a pretty va- bad fastball but you know who knows maybe there's some some tunneling going on there with the slider and, and guys are just off balance because they're trying to you know or they're so fooled by that slider uh who knows there could be some uh deception in there and you know he throws a, a sinker and a curve and a change up essentially you know if you group those three together right it's a it's a 12 percent you know third pitch so um there is a few other options that he can go to um, it's not like he just throws the the slider and the and the and the fastball. This despite mostly being that, um, so I, I like Steele. Like, you know, uh, I, I he's kind of a guy that I think was like streamed around in a bunch of leagues and is kind of just stuck on a lot of teams' roster just because uh, <laughs> there's just been a lot of strikeouts in the in these last few outings. Yeah, last seven starts, uh, 37 innings, 45 strikeouts, and a 195 ERA. There is a little bit of control issues with him. I think it, on the season, a ten north of 10% walk rate. So a little bit of volatility there. But I guess Justin Steele or, or Mitch Keller, Steve, just if going back and forth on, on those two. I know they're much different types of pitchers, but do you have a preference between the two of them? Yeah, I'm a sucker for strikeouts, so give me Steele. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and I think he'd probably take, I mean, at least for the next matchup against the Nationals, I think it's a, a definite target there. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a good one to watch. And we'll have to watch tonight, Steve, uh, as we're recording what Mitch Keller's up to to make sure that uh, 
know, he doesn't get <laughs> tagged like uh, Michaelis did the other night with like 10 earned runs or something. Uh, so talk to me about this next one, Steve. Aaron Savali is a guy who was a pleasant surprise last season until he got hurt. I believe he was the first pitcher in the AL to, re- to reach uh, 10 wins. It was part of my bold predictions because he's kind of an innings eater. But when he came back from injury at the end of last year, it was really ugly. It started off really ugly this year. But it seems like he might be kind of slowly, quietly turning it around. What are you seeing with Aaron Savali? And do you think there's any potential here as kind of a back-of-the-rotation guy? Uh, yeah, th- there definitely is. Um before he got hurt, um, he gave up three earned runs or less in uh, five of his last six starts. Um, he held his own at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, it, it was like a four-run outing, but he still like had like six strikeouts against just one walk. Um, and his next two starts, including one tonight, are, are versus Detroit. So um, it's a bit of a matchup play, a bit of a, an upside like you know hope that he can regain his form um he started to throw his cutter more which was like that elite pitch last year in those last six starts where he was having some success so if he can get the feel for that back and 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 start throwing that again and dominating with that like we could have a a run similar to the start uh, of last year for Savali you know um I know that in Cleveland it's a it's a pitching factor there so um maybe they could figure him out and they really need him um for that stretch run in Cleveland, right? Like they're, they're battling for their lives for a playoff spot in that, uh, AL central. So, um, who knows, maybe there could be, uh, some good matchup, someone that you stream against the Tigers either tonight or, or next week when he pitches against them and, and he could stick. Yeah. The, some of the, some of the things I like coming into the year for Savali is he has such a deep arsenal. Uh, there was an Eno Saris tweet and the last season that, only he and you, Darvish, have above-average locations on six different pitch types. Uh, behind that were names like Joe Musgrove, Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, but he was right up there with Darvish on location across that deep of an arsenal. Um, and yeah, he's he's uh, pitched, you know, when he gets going, he does pitch deep into games. Um, on Alex Chamberlain's pitch similarity scores coming into the season, there were some really interesting names like his split finger was uh had a similarity close to Frankie Montas his four seamer had a similarity to Giolito so I was kind of squinting on as we do with bold predictions to see if it all kind of clicked for Savali I know he's not like oozing with upside potential but I think that you know like you said there's possibility here and it's looked better with the cutter and then the back-to-back against the Tigers uh it makes sense I think this is a really good good stream um Let's talk about an, another one of your guys here, Steve, which is Graham Ashcraft. And Ashcraft for the Reds is putting together a, a nice little bounce back. I think he did he get sent down for a minute and then got called back up? Uh, I yeah, I, I think he might have. I think it might have been procedural or just, you know, around the all-star break, sort of a small conserving of the innings there. But, yeah, he's back up, and I think there's really no reason. And the Reds even came out and said that I don't think they're going to – limit his innings really whatsoever uh, down the stretch, despite the Reds being uh, pretty brutal. So, yeah, last three starts for Ashcraft, uh, 20 and two-thirds innings, uh, 326 ERA, the 135 whip, not as good, but he's a guy who has kind of 
the the strikeouts have been down, but he's had some outings where he throws like, you know, six innings with eight strikeouts. So that's there. The stuff is kind of in the mix for him. And the matchups, I think, is really what's enticing in the short term for Ashcraft. Lined up for the Cubs and then at the Pirates before it gets tougher with the Phillies and the Cardinals. So I think Ashcraft's a good one. I guess, um, you know, if you're just looking for like a two-week stream, Steve, between Ashcraft, Savali, Steele, and Keller, puts you on the spot here on on how you might rank those in, in order of who you like. Um. I probably got to go Savale just because he's got the Tigers and they've been like the best offense to stream against. Um, and then I would go um, Steel just for the K, K upside. Okay. Uh, and then Ashcraft just because that's strictly a matchup play with the Cubs and, and Pittsburgh. Um, Steel and Savale are probably closer than I think. I'd probably rethink that. Uh, uh, just because you know there is a bit of an uncertainty, I think uh, you know with Savali just coming back from the aisle, we ha- really haven't seen it uh, just yet. But that could quickly change with like a one really good performance against the Tigers. Like there's there's no better team to do that against. So um, Ashcraft uh, is is really intriguing. I think we talked about him on the show a bit. Like he's got like a 97 mile an hour cutter that's like very similar, to like you know Emmanuel Classe's cutter. Like it's just a ridiculously hard cutter. Um, and also throws, uh, you know, I think a four seamer, uh, really, really hard too, close to a hundred. So he's got the really good stuff. I think, you know, Saris mentioned on rate and bar- rates and barrels over at the athletic, um, that, you know, he talked to a few of the reds hitters and they're like, who has the nastiest stuff that you've seen? It's like on your team. And it was like, yeah, Graham Ashcraft. And that was when Luis Castillo was on their team. So, uh, he's got some really, really nasty stuff. He's another guy that I'm going to, put a big circle around for, for next off season and see if, uh, you know, there's, there's some potential to unlock some K's there. Uh, I, I like Graham Ashcraft, uh, Ashcraft, uh, for, uh, the long run, uh, a lot. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if he keeps it up like to date, the, the ERA is at three ninety four on the season. So it seems like just the league wide ERA is much lower this year, Steve. Oh yeah, I mean the the run environment is just completely shot. It's uh, it's uh, a totally totally different league than it was even just last year. Yeah, so a three nine ERA might read in more like a four three typically does. So, yeah, yeah, maybe that sure. that value will be suppressed a little bit. Well, let's talk about uh, Dane Dunning, Steve. As another guy, we were talking about Justin Steele's slider. Dunning has really, you know, succeeded with his slider this year. And in the past three outings, it, it's since All-Star break, has really kind of turned into the fa- fantasy radar where he has 18 innings, 15 strikeouts, but just a 2 ERA and a 106 whip. Um, the slider is, is cooking. He's throwing it more not only than last year, but he's throwing it more month over month. So it seems like he's kind of figuring out how to maximize his pitch mix there. Uh, that pitch with a 40% whiff rate. Dunning is a name I feel like we have some fatigue with on trying to get too excited, kind of in the same boat as Mitch Keller. But do you think that something's different this time? Do you think this is worth a shot um, compared to some of these other guys that we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, this is like, you know, kind of like a, a, a similar Justin Steele situation that maybe is pre, you know, 
10 strikeout games from from Justin Steele. Like that slider is just so good. It's one of the best in the league, I think, like overall by like run value and just results. Uh, And it just really hasn't come together. I guess, you know, the fact that he throws, you know, low 90s with the fastball sort of holds him back. There's always been some injury issues with Dunning, but there's been some runs with him where, you know, he was mixed league relevant. Like I think in the beginning of last year and even the beginning of this year, he had a, a really good stretch. Uh, and he's kind of on that now. And I think, you know, as he leans into that slider, maybe there's some, some more K upside. And with these matchups coming up, uh, I, I think it's a, a really good play. And I, I think I might lean Dunning over most of the guys that we just talked about wow. just because, you know, he does have that great slider and, you know, uh, some really good matchups with uh, the Mariners, A's, and twins like none of those offenses really scare me and it's a nice juicy matchup versus the athletics so um i like dunny here and and think that slider is an absolute awesome pitch and it's a very very good thing that he's throwing it more yeah and just looking at kind of the the game logs for dunning like last outing seven innings the one before that he went six innings he, he does still, he's prone to some walks, like he'll put up three or four walks per game. So that's still kind of a concern for him. But yeah, the slider, it's a really good call that it's kind of Justin Steele without having already done it. So I think that A's matchup next week is a great target. And if you want to kind of cash in on some extra volume stats, as you guys are listening to this now on Thursday, he goes against the Mariners on Friday. So uh, that would be a good time to just go out, scoop him up, try to eat up some extra innings, and then you got him for that next athletic start before he, he faces off in Minnesota after that. So I think that's a good one, Steve. Um, I have a hard time discerning through a lot of these. I think the fact that Steele is doing it really yeah, that's has fair. my attention. Just <laughs> so that, uh, you know, and I, I know you don't get those stats, and we laugh about that, but he he's had probably four or five games this season with like eight plus strikeouts. So it just seems like if, if you put his numbers on like a Rowanzi Contreras, who by the way, will also be coming back soon. So that's a good name to throw out. But for some reason, I think there's just kind of a reverse like Cubs tax because everyone knows they're not in contention and everything like that. But uh, I think Steele's pretty, interesting to me yeah just with, I agree with how good the slider has been but I think some of these other ones are just very very attractive options especially when you consider kind of the short-term next week or two matchups for a lot of them yeah um, de- definitely agree there I think Steele probably is the best play because you know he, he is doing it and like it, it, it's pretty consistent like to get those that volume of K's like especially in roto leagues like it's you it's so hard to chase K's at this point without like blowing up your ratios and, and Steele's kind of the the perfect guy to do that. He's probably scooped up in most fifteen team leagues, maybe even, you know, uh some shallow leagues too, but um definitely worth a shot in twelve and maybe even shallower uh leagues just because it's so hard to find that K volume without absolutely destroying your ratios, right? Like you have to throw these horrible two start pitchers otherwise to get like 10 games a week and it's really really not worth it it's probably a, a bad investment overall uh if you you know run the numbers on that so steel is kind of a, a great alternative uh that might be underrated 
Yeah, and still just 24% rostered in, in Yahoo. So there might be some more availability than uh, you might think. So check the wire there. Um, back to kind of targeted pitchers, Steve. Kyle Gibson is, uh, talk about fatigue and another one that would just, you know, it's been years and years. This one is a little bit more vanilla, but there's some changes under the hood that have ha- that have that are happening with Gibson, and he's kind of slowly piecing together uh, a nice month and a half. What are our thoughts on Gibson? He's again going tonight, as you guys listen to this, going Thursday night against the Marlins, and then has uh, three out of four matchups upcoming are good. He's got the Mets mi- mixed in there, but. Around the Mets are the Reds, Pirates, and Diamondbacks. So another kind of uh, old crusty vet, in the words of Paul Sporer, is this a guy who you could maybe trust going into the the home stretch and playoffs? Uh, I've streamed Gibson a bunch uh, over the last few weeks, uh, my home league, uh, mostly to good results. Like uh, the, the last start for Gibson was, was really good. Uh he had a start, I think, against the Cardinals that was really good after he just got blown up by them the previous start. Um, but the thing with Gibson, I think, more so than a lot of names on this list, is there's uh, there's there's a big blow-up risk, which I guess, you know, it, it, that really isn't matchup-dependent, right? Like that one start that I was just saying, like he dominated the Cardinals one time, gave up like seven runs the other. Um, you know, there the, there was another start in there in the last like five or six that was just absolutely brutal. That I think I was on the uh, receiving yeah. it, receiving in there. So gave up six earned to the Cubbies. Yep, that was it. Like that was a great matchup. Like could not wait to stream him there and just was absolutely demolished. And like the week was was blown for my ratios uh, for that one. But there's other ones where he goes like eight innings, six Ks, no runs, right? Uh, that's the that's what I think we're, you're getting with Gibson. It's just a little bit riskier, just because the matchups really don't matter with him. It's just it's just anyone could be a blow up or anyone could be good. Like that that you know, watch him like go out and like dominate the Mets, then get blown up versus Pittsburgh or something like that. Like that's <laughs> that's the frustration of Kyle Gibson. I feel. Yeah, and not as much of a walks issue as some of the other guys that we've we've talked about. So I don't know if it's just missing his spots and and not having a feel for some of the pitches. Um, He's another guy kind of like Savali where he he mixes in a lot. Um, You know, he's got his fifth pitch is a changeup. He throws it 10% of the time. So he he definitely works in sinker cutter uh, four seam. It's like the, the Lance Lynn thing with like a bunch of different types of heat. But yeah, I don't know. On this one, it's like, if it feels like it's always a game of roulette and there's not the strikeout upside, it's it's not as appealing. But I guess he does kind of go deep. You know, it's not unheard of for him to get seven, eight innings on an outing. I guess, you know, matchups aside, do you prefer like Savali with where he's at right now as a pitcher or Gibson? Um, I probably prefer Gibson just because... Um, you know, if Savali does is coming back from from the IL like we talked about and just hasn't really shown it. Um, but you know, for like the next start, like I would throw Savali at versus Detroit rather than um, Gibson at the Reds. But overall, I would prefer Gibson uh, just because you know we've seen 
a bit of a better track record recently for, for Gibson. And, you know, he went on that run, too, in the beginning of the year, like he seemingly always does. Um, but that does seem to, to fade a bit towards the end. You know, maybe we got that in the middle of the year this year where he was pretty bad and then has bounced back recently over the last, like, month and a half. So uh, I, I'd give a slight lean to Gibson to, to actually give an answer there. Okay. Well, we got more upside on the way, a couple more pitchers, and we'll get into bats. But first, we're going to take a real quick ad break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, let's talk about a, another young guy that's kind of been on our radar, and it seems like he might be kind of going down this Casey Mize path. His fellow teammate, Matt Manning, has long been kind of a, a favorite as a sleeper, and we thought he could maybe emerge as the Tiger pitcher out of that group. But, of course, he's, it's been lackluster for Manning compared to Scooball and, and Mize when Mize is healthy. And it... it historically has been the lack of strikeouts in, in 2021 he had 85 innings just 57 strikeouts which is not kind of what we were hoping for from his strikeout upside in the minors and everything however his last start has our attention against the Rays seven innings seven strikeouts zero runs allowed what do we think on Matt Manning on this most recent start Anything under the hood where you think this could be real and maybe what the the outlook is as a possible streamer down the home stretch? Yeah, it was a career-high 13 whiffs for him in that start, too. I know there hasn't been that many starts, but still, that's really encouraging. Uh, The curveball usage was increased, um, and that could be, like, the potential third pitch for him. Like, the fastball and slider are good. Maybe this curveball, you know, maybe he's getting more comfortable with it, so... Uh, I, I like Matt, Matt Manning. The the matchups aren't great, but you know the 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 talent pedigree and prospect pedigree is there. So uh, who knows? Like this could be the start of a, of a nice run here that could lead to you know twenty twenty three Matt Manning sleeper sort of thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is at the minimum, this is the time of year where if you're paying attention, yep. you have a little bit of a leg up in the off season that Manning might be figuring some stuff out because it really is similar to how we how we looked at Mize and we were like, man, where are all the strikeouts from the minors? And then suddenly one thing clicks in. It's you know, I mean, once upon a time we were saying the same thing about Corbin Burns. So I know it's obviously not uh, reasonable to expect anything like that, but. Hey, that's, that's how the game is played. So uh, I'm interested in Manning. The start against the White Sox, they've still kind of been, I mean, I know Eloy is is heating up, but 
yeah, that'll be that'll be a good one. It looks like he's got them this Saturday. So if you want to uh, put a little calendar update to keep an eye on that start, uh, if he's mowing down batters, it'd be a really nice target following that uh, at Cleveland. So that's a good one. And then shifting to the last one, Steve, Jose Suarez has been another guy. It seems like it's like set the calendar for this time of year because Suarez is going to get a call up and, you know, see what he does for the for the Angels. And his, his last start looked very good with uh, seven innings, eight strikeouts, 14 whiffs. For some reason, he doesn't get a, a lot of buzz despite some of the results. Um, maybe talk about Suarez, what you're seeing here, and, and what we're thinking for potential ads. Yeah, uh, another guy that has, like, yeah, you're right. He has had, like, a lot of these similar starts like he had against the A's. I know it was the A's, and you might just gloss over it because it, it was the hapless A's, and, you know, the he too hit them with and looked great with 14 whiffs. But, you know, since he got beat up by the Dodgers, I think, you know, four or five starts ago, he gave up six runs to them. It's been 17.1 scoreless innings. He's got a really, really good changeup. Um, he started throwing the slider a little bit more, so he's got like four pitches now. You know, there, there's some stuff to like, and I think this is probably more in the streamer territory. These um, next matchups are versus Seattle and then at Tampa Bay. I might stay away from that Seattle one, but at Tampa Bay, you know, that's a great place to pitch, and the Rays just haven't been as good offensively, at least, uh, this year. So uh, I would definitely stream Suarez there. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of the... You know, the strikeout number on the surface looks good, but I guess I've just kind of slept. I mean, the, the, between the, the slider and the changeup, yeah, there is some there is some whiff potential here. For so sure. I think, yeah, the curveball gets really good, like 2,700 uh, RPMs on the spin. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely interesting. Are his... Um, I wanted to look. Okay, so like the expected stats are calling for a little bit of regression, but yeah, this this one it just twenty four years old. It's like, you know, are we still kind of figuring out the the potential here for Suarez? It seems yeah, like people are kind of quick to write him off. It's the Angels, so like it's not an exciting team. Like they're not good at developing talent and pitching. Uh, so you know, if if like Jose Suarez on like the Rays or like you know I don't know the Astros or something like that, like. He would definitely be hyped up. It's like, oh, look at this guy's secondary. It's like there's going to be some K upside here uh, potentially. Or even like, you know, I don't know, the the Cardinals or something. Like, uh, you know, look at where they found this guy sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's the Angels uh, and because I think he's been up and down a bunch and they've just been so bad, I think he probably gets overlooked a bit. Um, but there definitely is some, some intriguing stuff there uh, with those secondaries, like you mentioned. So... Uh, I, I like it at least for a streamer at the uh, at the very least. All right, there you have it. The pitchers to be on your radar, guys, if you are really struggling with either a pitcher who got injured or somebody you just can't wait out. Mitch Keller, Justin Steele, Aaron Savale, Graham Ashcraft, Dane Dunning, Kyle Gibson, Matt Manning, and Jose Suarez. Let's jump over to hitters, Steve, and maybe start us out with kind of potential struggling hitter or two that you um, are kind of having the similar questions on of how long do you wait seeing guys on the wire who are performing talk to me about some uh, some struggling hitters yeah I'm very close to hitting the drop button on uh, JD Martinez and Tyler O'Neill JD Martinez's last 30 days 
155, zero home runs, eight RBIs, 459 OPS. 459 OPS. There's stretches where JD that's JD Martinez's OBP. Uh, Tyler O'Neill too. Uh, I mean, uh, he's got a double in RBI tonight, but it just really ha- you know whenever he's gotten going, he's gotten hurt. Uh, same thing. Last 55 ABs, 606 OPS with two homers and two steals. Like that's not going to cut it. So um, I know there's been some injuries there too uh, uh, for O'Neill, uh, but you know it's it's coming to the time where I, I think it's time for me specifically in my home league to cut my losses with these guys and maybe we'll find some guys here uh, unless you talk me off the ledge with either one of them i mean we're in coors for o'neill so i think he at least got to hold through thursday see what happens in the spirit of the boom bust he is definitely a, a go big or go home guy and we talked about how the cardinals have one of the best offensive matchups the rest of the season so that's my brief sell on exercising patience but listen i get it man it's like you can't continually wait around especially when there's guys kind of emerging uh, on the wire that uh, look red hot and at this point it's kind of the carousel but yeah martinez it's just it's been (sighs) he's had a back issue too i wonder how much it's actually still bothering him because uh, he yeah, really he hasn't been really, the same. He had a really like, bad second half last year, too. If you remember, he was like yep. first half all-star, and then it just completely bottomed out. So mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, he's he's old, and he's got like some mileage with all the injuries and everything. It might be a little premature to because to, I think he's like 34 to think that this is kind of the decline, but it's not the first time we've seen him get ice cold in the second half, so... I get it, man. But let's let's focus on the ads here, Stephen, specifically for outfield here, since we're talking O'Neill and JD. Uh, the first one is just surging on the, the the ad list, and it's Nick Gordon, who has really got a lot of nice flexibility, at least in like Yahoo second base shortstop. But for the Twins, Gordon has been. You know, kind of thrown around different spots in the order. He's batted as low as fifth. Uh, he's batted ninth a time or two. But I think what's awesome about Nick Gordon, Steve, is not only have the results been terrific with an 804 OPS in the past month, but the stat cast data is really kind of eye popping as well, where it looks like he's got kind of this combination there where you're, you're kind of thinking, you know, he's got some speed, he's got some pop. Uh, the strikeouts, I think, leave a little bit to be desired. But what what are you seeing with Nick Gordon? Is this a rush to add, or where are you at with Gordon? I, I went to Nick Gordon's baseball savant page. I was like, am I on the right page? Like, this was super <laughs> impressive. Like, there was a lot, a lot of red ink, red ink there. Like, that would be, you know, a fun one to throw on the pitcherless Discord. You know. Uh, uh, we do this a lot in the beginning of the year. It's kind of died out. Maybe I'll throw this that one in tonight. But um, it's 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 really impressive. Uh, the the plate discipline leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, he strikes out a lot and doesn't take a walk and you know chases a lot and has a lot of whiffs. So that's not great. But you know the hard hit percentage, the the barrel rate is all really really good. Uh, he's battling close to twelve percent of the time, which is Awesome. So, uh, yeah, th- there might be some more uh, than than we initially thought here with with Nick Gordon. So, um, 
it's been a hot month, but it's been backed up by some impressive bat-to-ball skills uh, as far as uh, the power metrics go um, for Gordon. Uh, he was a pretty big prospect. I mean, he was drafted in the first round, fifth overall. I think he's the son of Tom Gordon, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, that draft was a while ago in 2014, but he was a he was a, a really big prospect that might finally be coming together for him at age 26 uh at least under the hood uh power metric wise yeah and the the 71st percentile on sprint speed he's got five homers five steals on the season and yeah tonight they got the dodgers after this series they got the angels so yeah i love it um i I would say i'm on the verge as well here that one strikes me steve as a little more of the boom bust the Tyro Estrada is our next one, another guy we've been talking about. He's kind of been rostered by different teams. He's one of those that's kind of a stable, like, fill in the gap. But he can go on these stretches like he has since he's been back from the IL. 5 for 11 with a 1235 OPS. What's your interest level in Estrada? Uh, similar eligibility to Gordon um, with outfield second and short. Uh, I mean, you know, he's got 10 homers, 15 stolen bases. Like, there's not many guys these days that have double-digit homers and and, and steals. Uh, and, you know, he's obviously on pace for, for more than that because uh, he's already hit it. So, um, you know, he, he was hot before he went on the seven-day concussion IL, returned, and was just as hot. He's 5 for 11 with, uh, with a homer and a 1235 OPS uh, in that small stint. Um, you know, he's not a stack guest guy. He doesn't strike out. But what I think he's good at doing is pulling his barrels, right? Uh, if you look at his spray chart in, like, the top right, when you go to a Savant page, like, all of his home runs are in that cluster uh, to, to the pull side in, in left field a, a, as a right-handed batter for him. And there actually is, you know, that's the best place for power in uh, San Francisco in, in that ballpark. Um, so... Uh, he's really, you know, sort of taking advantage of that and and, and getting the most out of, uh, you know, his middling barrel rate. So uh, I, I like Tyro Estrada. I think it's a great uh, play for, you know, uh, a great stuff and things guy who isn't going to hurt you in average and chip in a, a homer and steal here uh, every now and then. So uh, I, I'm rostering Estrada in a lot of places right now. Yeah, Estrada, 67% rostered in Yahoo, just 26 years old, so I like Estrada as, as a name there. Uh, another young outfielder, Steve, for the D-backs, uh, and it's not Corbin Carroll, it's Jake McCarthy. This is a name that has not been on my radar, but definitely kind of a, a rabbit specialist in terms of speed help. I know he's getting a little bit of buzz just around the industry, but still just 2% rostered. Talk to me about McCarthy. Uh, he's already got a hit tonight, so as you guys are listening, might be worth a, a box score check. But what do you see with Jake McCarthy, Steve? I think this is a great speed play. Uh, he's playing mostly every day. Uh, the Diamondbacks traded um, a big uh, prohibitor through his playing time in David Peralta. So uh, McCarthy was playing even you know before that mostly every day. So they kind of want to see what they got here. And he's a, a, a speed play. He's 99th percentile on sprint speed, has seven steals on the year, but six of those have come in his last 30 games played. So, um, you know, 
everyone's hurting for speed. I think McCarthy has a bit of pop. It's not. I don't think it's going to be even to the Tyro Estrada level of, of pop, but um, I think he might get more stolen bases the rest of the way at least. So if you're hurting in that category, he's going to get some playing time, not going to kill you an average, and should get you a lot, a lot of steals. Shift over to the card, Steve, and talk about Lars Newtbar as a possible fantasy replacement for teammate Tyler O'Neill for your circumstance. Uh, Newt is what they chant. <laughs> I was at the game on Friday against the Yankees. It was uh, sweltering hot, no breeze. And Newtbar had an insane catch out in right field. I don't know if you saw that one, Steve, but it's, it is an absolute web gem. Uh, new bars in the everyday role at the moment for the Cardinals. It's going to be interesting when like Yepes returns. I know they were putting Jordan Walker in the outfield and there's a lot of like clamoring there, but it's tough to say with like Brandon Donovan I mean, pools. There are mouths ba- the, to feed, but ba- right now. Bader, uh, Bader move frees up some time for him, right? That, that should does. show some confidence too, right? Absolutely. And he, he has been playing lately and playing well. And they're hitting them in typically like the middle part of the order. So uh, talk about Newt Barr, what you're seeing here. Uh, he's a fan favorite. Uh, great last name. We were talking earlier about uh, TJ on Twitter and uh, the, the, the statements that make no sense. I keep claiming that Newt Barr is a palindrome where his last name is the same spelled backwards and <laughs> forward. It makes no sense. It's not true. But what do you see here, Steve? Uh, yeah, I mean, 80 grade name, another 80 grade name that, that, that we have to talk about there with, with Newt <laughs> yes. Bar. Uh, but he was exciting because uh, in the offseason, a lot of the talk about him was, you know, how he had a swing change. He added a bunch of bat speed. He worked in like, you know, one of those those hitting labs and, and added uh, a few miles an hour to his swing. Um, and it's shown, at least in the underlying power metrics, right? He increased his max EV by two miles per hour. His hard hit rate has gone from 36% to 42%, and the barrel rate went from 4.7% to 9.3%. So those results are paying off under the hood, and they are in his last 50 ABs too. He's got three home runs, a 333 batting average, and OPS over 1,000. So uh, they're playing him, and with good reason. Uh, and Newt Bar is uh, interesting, not only based on the surface uh, numbers, but also what he's doing under the hood. Yeah, and again, as a reminder, the Cardinals, right with the White Sox, had one of the top two or three best hitting matchups the rest of the way. I, I believe they end the season with like six or seven in a row against the Pirates, so a really good one for Roto Target. But yeah, I, I'm with you, Steve. I think Newt Barr is definitely worth the attention here with all the underlying uh, metrics, like you said, just kind of doubling that barrel rate. And yeah, the Cardinals... It, we're getting into the territory where you can talk about kind of cheap exposure to that lineup with, you know, the, especially with the opponents they got on the calendar. So another good one there, uh, between Gordon Estrada, McCarthy and Newt Bar, Steve, do you have a favorite of the bunch? Estrada is definitely the highest rostered, but, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, probably Estrada, but then it's close between Gordon and Newt Bar. I would lean Newt Bar just because, uh, you know, there is probably a little bit less strikeout risk than there is with Gordon for uh, uh, for Newt Bar. I think he has uh, some better plate discipline overall uh, than, than Gordon. That just whiff rate uh, and chase rate concerns me there. For sure. Uh, shifting over to another position, Steve. Tim Anderson out four to six weeks. 
with the torn ligament. Carpenter, another one I, I got to see on Friday for the uh, standing ovation. Welcome back at uh, Bush. That was a really cool moment. But unfortunately, the fractured foot. There was news tonight that he'll at least he's expected to be back right in time for playoffs, which is a good sign. Um, I think that will just make the playoffs and baseball much more interesting. I couldn't believe he has the highest OPS in baseball, Steve. Did you hear that? Uh, I, I did not, but I believe it with how hot he's been since uh, essentially he got called up. But it's amazing, right? Like he was barely, you know, usable yeah. as like an MLB player the last two years, let alone yeah, for no fantasy. one offered him, right? Yeah, uh, and then I think you know I forget who, who, who what team was he on uh, earlier in the season got DFA'd. Was it the Texas Rangers? The, I think maybe I can remember uh, it was the Nats or the Nats Rangers, or the Rangers. Somebody right. not yeah. great, and he was like tearing up the minors, and then signed with the Yankees and got a got a shot and, and carried it over. So great story there. Glad he'll be back for the playoffs, but. For these guys, Anderson, uh, Carpenter, there's going to need to be some replacements, and I think we have some name here that potentially uh, could be worth an add if you're lost one of those guys or struggling to, to fill a spot uh, uh, anywhere around the infield, really. Michael Massey is the first one, Steve. We've talked about him at least the last episode, and he's kind of continued. I mean, there's been one nasty over five in there but every other game he's just been productive and you know he's done it against some decent pitching staffs um great plate discipline for the royals and massey right now isn't hitting too high in the lineup usually like sixth or seventh but do you think massey could be a help at second base definitely uh i i he he is an intriguing profile he's gotten a hit in every single one of his games except for one uh, that he started since he called up. He's also got a hit tonight. Um, the K rate is at just 10.7%. It's backed up by like a good contact rate over 80% and a strong uh, chase rate under you know 36%. So uh, th- there's some impressive stuff there. The Royals are giving them a run. They're been playing better. Uh, they're exciting at least. You know uh, all all their top prospects are, are, are up for the most part um, and, and they're a lot more fun to watch he's has a few barrels uh, no home runs yet but chipped in his steel so I, I think Massey is a nice play especially if he lost the uh, Anderson or, or another Maryland fielder recently and need to fill in there yeah and if you missed last week's episode when we were talking about Massey because he flies under the radar across high minors across 87 games 16 home runs, 13 steals, and he's batted around 315 across both levels. So just a really solid uh, minor league. I mean, he was red hot, and since he's been called up, he's really done nothing but hit. So I think it's a really good name. He is squarely on my radar, Steve. Uh, The next name we wanted to talk about was Elujiris Montero, who is another one that we've kind of pointed out on uh, WAF, if you guys have been with us. And this one is very impressive for me, Steve. I mean, A, he's playing half his games at Coors. And the past two weeks, he's on fire with a 423 batting average, 1136 OPS. He's currently on a four-game multi-hit streak, uh, unless that got broken up tonight, which it probably did because I believe they're losing like 6-1. But yeah, tonight he went, he's one for two in the eighth. So he continues to hit. And I'm really impressed just at the just the, the underlying metrics, 
the fact that he just has a 24% ground ball rate and his line drives and fly balls are just through the roof. I think that this uh, could be a really good combo with Coors and just 15% rostered. So I'm highly interested in Montero. I wish I would have pounced uh, sooner in a couple leagues, but uh, what are your thoughts here, Steve? Anything to add on Elohiris Montero? Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't take much for me to get interested in Rocky hitters, especially when they're home. Uh, I don't know if I would hold him for a week through a you know a week long road stand, uh, you know road trip, but uh, for a week, especially like this one when the Rockies have six home games, I would absolutely you know jump all over it, put him on the bench for games that he, for weeks that he has uh, a few more road games, but. Uh, there's some pop, and you know you, could, you saw what he's done over the last two weeks uh, in cores. You know, put times that by one and a half just because of where the, where those games are played. So, uh, with a spacious outfield like that, right, like a a ground ball, a fly ball, line drive, that rate is exactly what you want to see. So when he's home, it'll probably play up even more. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a great weekend here uh, after uh, this series with the Cardinals through Thursday. So. Um, I think it's a great, great call. Yeah, the downside is the the plate discipline. The thirty five percent K rate is definitely, you know, it, it's eventually going to creep in and sure. pull that two eighty three batting average on the season down. But yeah, I think you can ride the wave in the meantime. And yeah, the just the the batted ball metrics are really tasty. The thirteen percent barrel, fifty percent hard hit. So. Uh, 540 slug in AAA both of the past two seasons. So, uh, yeah, interesting name there in Montero. Uh, Steve, Josh Donaldson, let's just go over quickly because I feel like everyone knows Donaldson. He's been hot lately. Went four for five Monday. You know, everyone's kind of thinking, you know, he almost hit for the cycle. Is it the breakout? Turns around 0 for 7 with four strikeouts since. Do you are you a believer? You're a little bit closer to this one geographically. Do you think there's anything with with Donaldson, or is this uh, just kind of a blip in a, in a hot streak for him? Maybe um, you know the fact that like Donaldson last year had that unbelievable like stat cast page was still crushing the ball was getting relatively unlucky, and this year it's kind of been deserving of what he's gotten, uh, and. You know, what he's gotten hasn't been great so far this year. It was encouraging to see that stretch, but, you know, it, it, had he continued, I would have probably bought in a little bit more. But the Yankees as a whole sort of are, are, are in a rut right now, uh, despite the fact that, you know, they're still in first place. But basically since the middle of July or beginning of July, July 4th, they haven't been as good, despite, you know, Aaron Judge being the best hitter on the planet. Uh, still, uh, so that is a bit concerning. You know, the the Yankees I think got shut out again today by the Mariners, uh, or, or last night I think they lost four uh, three today or something like that. Uh, but they haven't been good as a whole. Donaldson hasn't looked as good under the hood and on the surface. So uh, I, I think it might have been more of just a blip than, than actually figuring it out. Uh, though the Yankees would like to see him do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did turn it on as uh, September and October come around. Yeah, I guess the one thing I'd add from watching a handful of their games is he has had a few, even with his recent success the past week of 7 for 23, 950 OPS, he had some really, really loud outs that that could have looked even hotter than it it has been so that's just one one note to add there but um yeah it was 
he was destroying uh, the Cardinals on a lot of occasions. And that's probably the segue to a Cardinal who was destroying the Yankees in Paul DeYoung. DeYoung, who was, was with the Peoria Chiefs here, Steve, and then he's been up and down and very frustrating for Cardinals fans. I know a lot of people were clamoring for him to exit. It ended up being Sosa, and now DeYoung has found his way right back into everyday playing time. And, man, like, when, when DeYoung goes on tears, it is – like, his rolling charts have to just yeah. be an absolute defibrillator because he goes on these types of runs. He has four home runs in his last nine games since being called up, and he had three homers in a row at AAA. So when you put it together, it's like, what, seven homers in his last 12 games? So – I think on the flip side, we're always watching the plate discipline. What was I know, like Eno Saris, the industry's been keeping a close eye on DeYoung over the past couple of years, obviously with the, the Rookie of the Year runner-up with uh, Bellinger and everything. The plate discipline has always been the question. And in the middle of this kind of three-year stretch with DeYoung, it looked like he was making major strides on the plate discipline, but then it all kind of went the wrong direction. The strikeouts, unfortunately, are still very high. But with the heater, with the Young's history and pop, do you feel like this could be one that is very worthy of a gamble because he's widely available? I think people, again, have fatigue here. And it's just like, you know, below 10% on roster rate. So what are your thoughts on the uh, Young? And do you see this as being uh, similar to Donaldson with like the plate discipline versus the pop? What do you think about DeYoung as, as a fill-in here? Yeah, I definitely think it's a good play. Um, I think you kind of nailed it with the fact that they probably just sort of, or DeYoung has accepted the fact that he's going to have a high K rate, is being himself, hitting for power, swinging for the fences, and is probably a lot more comfortable and isn't trying to change who he is. Um, sure, that's going to come with a lot of peaks and valleys, but when he's hot like this, he's going to hit a bunch of homers uh right we saw that in 2019 we saw that you know uh when he was when he was peak paul young so um i i think being in that lineup that's going to take a lot of pressure off him too right like it's not like he needs to uh be relied on to be you know uh, someone in the three or four hole and you know has the protection of arenado goldschmidt um so I, I, I like it. I think that there is a lot of potential for power. And, you know, if you could deal with the Ks, like, that's totally fine. It's a cheap, free source of what could be, you know, maybe seven to ten holders the rest of the way, which is a big deal. It feels like this one's, I know it's different position, but it, it, it's a hotter version of the Tyler O'Neill combo minus the speed. Yeah. Because the average won't be that high, but... You know they're they're both similar players. Like when the homers start rolling, you know it can it can be like a nine ten homer month. So the Cardinals have great matchups. Um, I know that's a crazy statement to even consider, like drop O'Neill for DeYoung, but I, I don't see the playing time really changing there. He's always been a solid defender, and I think the Cardinals. I mean they've talked about how he's he's more comfortable in big situations, and that's kind of like a mental soft analysis thing. But he had the uh, game-winning RBI double. He had a clutch home run against the Yankees. So, so far, it seems like 
there might be some between the ears stuff that's that's uh, gonna help here. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a savvy move for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, talk to me about the closer carousel here, Steve. So obviously there's been some some changes, some shakeups with the trade deadline fallout. Um, you know, some injuries as well. Run me through some names that you're you're thinking of as drop candidates and some potential fun and productive uh, fill-ins. Yeah, um, a guy that I'd be clamoring to add is in Baltimore, Felix Batista. He's absolutely nasty. Had a lot of value even before uh, Jorge Lopez was was, was traded. Um, I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen him. I think uh, Greg Jewett, speaking him, calls him the mountain. He is just an absolute beast of a human being. He's like 6'4". 6'4", like six four, four, yeah. Looks like, a, looks like an offensive lineman uh, and, and just throws gas and has the job in Baltimore is probably scooped up, but you know, always worth a check. Um, another guy in Cincinnati that probably isn't um, as widely rostered because the job is still sort of in flux and he isn't really the quote unquote closer, um, but that's why he's available. And that's Alexis Diaz, Edwin Diaz's brother, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. And he looks, you know, really, really good. Uh, I like him as a sneaky play for saves, not only for the rest of the year this year, but potentially be a closer next year. Uh, but, you know, probably on your wires. I know uh, saves are probably the hardest thing to come by. And there wasn't as many, um, like, closer job losses. And, you know, I, I know Robertson got traded and Roman Wicks now a closer. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jorge Lopez is still a closer. Um, and he went to a team where there really wasn't one uh, in Minnesota. So, like, there really wasn't as many opportunities as really there is last year. But these are two guys that I, w- I would look to add uh, if you need saves, if they're available. I know Batista might not be, but uh, worth a look uh, for sure, at least. So you mean Batista was a, a bad drop for me in TGFBI on Oof. July 10th? Oh, oh brutal. That's, I hate to brutal, hear that. man. Yeah. yeah, no. You're 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 way too ahead of the curve. You're almost too far ahead of the curve there, right? Yeah, no. Uh, that's uh, unfortunate, but that's kind of the story of my save situation for the industry leagues. I do have a best ball league where I'm in fourth, though. So, nice. So I might, uh, you know, at least be in like money back situation. But. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, two two other a few other guys I just wanted to mention real quick. I know I texted you offline, but. Um, Vaughn Grisham, homer and steal today in his oh. uh, major league debut for the Braves. Another guy that they promoted straight from Double A, and the last guy that, that they did that was Michael Harris. So the Braves are super aggressive with these guys, and they seem to know when they're ready. Uh, and Grisham just—he's like I looked at and watched his home run like right before we got in the air. Like he's just a tall dude and just put an absolute amazing swing on his home run ball. He looked really, really impressive, and then adding the steal to boot. Um, another guy under the radar, uh, Josh Young. I know a lot of people were hyped about him at the beginning of the season. He played at AAA tonight, I believe. Um, so that's a guy to throw on your watch list and, and, and see, uh, you know, if the Rangers do call him up for, for the end of the season. And then one other guy who I really haven't seen mentioned anywhere and has been super hot. I, I hope I don't butcher his name, but, uh, Joey Meneses uh, for for the Nationals. He's played basically every day since Josh Bell got traded. He homered again today. 
uh, and has, uh, I think, three four, games in a yeah, row. <laughs> yeah, three games in a row uh, and four home runs on the year. Uh, OPS well over a thousand. So, uh, just a you know probably a guy that's just super hot, but worth an, an eye and you know in a super deep league, maybe it's worth an ad for a, a corner infield spot. Yeah, getting notifications like crazy. Arenado, Homer, Muncy, Homer. Uh, we probably should note. Uh, because we were talking about it earlier that Mitch Keller has three clean frames so far against the D-backs with three strikeouts. Um, so that kind of rounds out uh, where we started here by saying we'd check back in. But uh, Steve, any closing thoughts? No, no. That was uh, my uh, quick little dump there for uh, for the uh, players that I've been watching to, to sneak in despite them not being on the rundown. But uh, great show as always. Uh, love talking baseball with you. Uh, we're 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 in it. It's, it's it's the stretch. Like this is this is what we play for. I know we've had some some tough years, at least in our, in our home league for sure. But um, we're battling, and that that's what that's what we're here for. That's why we do this. So uh, let's go make a run. Hundred percent, dude. We'll be texting, and you guys can always text, tweet, uh, email us. It's wins above pod on the Twitter. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. This late in the season, guys, if you're tuning in, we really appreciate it. Please throw us a, a rating, a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to the pod. And, yeah, we'll be back next Thursday. We're going to keep it actionable probably from here on through and then have some really fun recap shows as we get later. But that's all for Wins Above Fantasy, Episode 68. Thanks for talking baseball with us, guys. Later, guys. Talk to you next week.